choir comes down, tell them it's good to see them today in the house of the Lord. going to get our uh, ushers to come for another offering. This will be our building fund. It's a busy morning. Two offerings. Communion as well. So uh, so we decided me and dad are both going to preach this morning. No, I'm just kidding. No, but there's a couple things that, uh, that are exciting as well this morning. And uh, I want to make sure that I make mention of them. And so uh, one of them is Eric and Destiny. They're here with their baby boy. Please remind me of his name. Watson, that's it. Watson, hold that baby up. We're thanking the Lord for some answer prayer for this young man. Amen. Look at that guy. Amen. Give him a nice big round of applause. Amen. And they are just, we're praising the Lord with them. And he is just growing and looking great. And we thank the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. That's a proud papa right there. Look at him. All right? He's like, let me show the baby off. And then, and then we have with us Wade and Lillian. You guys stand up. They were married uh, two weeks ago, right? Two weeks ago. And they're just back from their honeymoon in the house of the Lord. Let's give them a nice big round of applause. Amen. So we got some newlyweds and a new baby. I'll tell you what, we're thanking the Lord for his blessings on our church. Amen? And that's why we're taking up a building fund offering, okay? There you go. See, it all works together. Amen. Amen. Everything you give this morning will go to the building fund. We praise the Lord for how he's blessing, and we want to use it wisely as well, but everything will be for that. I'm going to ask Jason if he would to ask a blessing on the offering. that you've given to us, Lord, and thank you for this place that you've given us to come and worship. Yes, Lord, we pray that, uh, that we would be careful to uh, take care of the needs of the church, Lord, and to honor you in our giving, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
and we're going to make our way through doing a, some things a little different for me as far as uh, preaching and coming to this text. Uh, this morning I want to read one verse, that's verse number one of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, if you know, I like a lot of times to go out with a broad view and take a look at a lot of things, but I've been finding myself getting lost in uh, just almost as it were each word uh, that comes out of, a, out of a verse and out of a scripture. And I don't want to belabor points or anything like that, but yet at the same time, I've been finding that there is a lot of uh, wealth, a lot of great uh, teaching and preaching that I think that we need to be doing, uh, even as it comes to, like I said, almost each word. And so our text this morning is Matthew 1, verse number 1, just one verse. And uh, we're going to read that, ask the Lord to help us, and then we'll bring the message He has for us. Matthew 1, verse 1, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning that we can come and talk about Jesus. Dear Lord, what a, what a name it is. What a lovely name it is. It is the name that brings salvation it is the name that we associate also with the Christ, the Anointed One. Dear Lord, as we come and make our focus on Jesus Christ this morning, dear Lord, it is our prayer. It is our prayer that you'll prepare our hearts for communion this morning. I can think of no better way to prepare our hearts and minds for the time of communion with you than a message that speaks all about Jesus Christ, who He is, the names associated with Him, that makes our focus on Jesus. Dear Lord, as we do that this morning, maybe there is someone here who does not know Jesus. Maybe they know about Him. Maybe they know of Him. All of those things being true. But to actually have invited Him into their life, asked Him to take away their sins, said, I want you to be the Lord of my life. That part of their life may have never taken place. Dear God, I pray that as we look at Jesus Christ this morning, that they would fall in love with Him, that they would see their need of Him. We're going to let the Word of God do the work I can't do. Let the Holy Spirit speak the words that we can't speak. Help us this morning, we pray, in your wonderful, amazing, and saving name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So when I come to this, I, I've already mentioned it a little bit, and, and I've been kind of blown away as I go to these passages of Scripture, and I look at even the genealogy. And you say, and I, I know we've, we've heard plenty of messages about genealogies. It's not surprising to find the depth in them and to find all of that. That's very true. We see it. It's there. It's beautiful. I've seen so much of it. Wednesday night, briefly, before the, uh, uh, before the business meeting, I, I went right into that just a little bit. And it is the truth. There, You can just see so much depth in the genealogy as you look at the names the things that took place with them, how they point at Jesus Christ, all those type of things. But this morning as I was looking at this, at this passage here, one verse, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, I'm telling you, I was, I was blown away. And I don't want to, I got to be careful. We got a lot to do this morning and I don't want to preach too long. I want us to prepare our hearts for communion believe the sermon's in there a lot as well, but I also want to think about it. Even that word, the generation, when we come to it, we understand that he's bringing us and he's saying, okay, we're going to tell you the genealogy or the generations of Jesus Christ that led up to his birth. But if you were to just look at that word just for a moment and you were to find the Greek word, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it, I'm not a Greek uh, scholar or anything like that, but it's used two other times in the New Testament. And the other times that it's used in the New Testament, it's not used like that. It's all actually translated nature, nature. 
and it speaks about, and it's in the book of James, and it speaks about the nature of man or the nature of that person or that being. And so not only is he saying, listen, and this is beautiful as well, he's saying not only am I bringing to you the, the lineage of Jesus Christ, but I'm showing you of what kind or type of people that he came from. You ever get that question? You know, you want to know what family they're from, right? You ever hear that? What does that tell you? You start to make some assumptions about that person, right? Because of the family that they came from, right? Go ahead, admit it, all right? Just go ahead. You do that. You're like, no, I would never do that about anyone. Yes, you do, all right? Leave it alone. You know you do. You got families that you're like, whoa. And we know that, you know, you, whatever town you live in, there's that one family and you're like, wow, that family's crazy. And usually the crazy families, there's like a bunch of them, right? And you're like, wow, what's going on over there? The whole bunch of them, and there they are. But no, it tells us also the nature or the kind. But what is different about this genealogy as we come down through and as we look at it, and it speaks of what kind of person, what kind of line is Jesus coming from, the thing that's different about this genealogy is the type or the kind goes the other way. These people are a reflection of what Jesus Christ is. Because see, Jesus, he didn't come from them. He had always been. Jesus is different. Yes, Jesus was born of Mary. Yes, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And you know this already. But Jesus existed before the foundations of the earth. And so because Jesus was there, his character and who he is is being portrayed in their lives and in what they're doing. He is sending his kind and his type. And he is trying to influence the world with who he is. We do not influence Jesus with who we are. No, as a matter of fact, we would do well if we would let more of the influence of Jesus Christ come into our life. Our problem, as we saw in the book of James also, is our nature is in rebellion against Jesus Christ. And we need to bring it under the subjection of who Jesus Christ is. And so we see that Jesus Christ is showing us through this, his nature, his kind, and what he is like, even from that word, the generations of Jesus Christ. Then not only does he say the generation, all I want to do is focus on the three names that are here really quick. We're going to go through them. We're going to go back through them. Okay, we're going to go through them. We're going to go back through them, and I'll show you why that's important in just a minute. Number one, Jesus Christ. The generation of Jesus Christ. The first name mentioned in there for us is Jesus Christ. We have two ways that he's relaying to us who Jesus is. The, number, the first one is Jesus. We know what Jesus means. Hopefully we do. It means that Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. We see from this right from the very beginning what Jesus Christ is all about. Jesus Christ has come into the world to bring the salvation of God to mankind. That is his sole purpose. That is what is going on. The other part of this sole purpose is this is without a doubt, this is not hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. This is not up for debate either in our hearts and life. The greatest need that mankind has is the salvation of God being brought to him. We say amen to that this morning. We reiterate it and we would, it should have been a heartier amen. The, soul, the greatest need of mankind in all of the world is the salvation of God being brought to him. Amen. amen. I kind of think it might even need a bigger amen than that. The greatest need that this world needs, without a doubt, Without any exaggeration, the greatest need I have, the greatest need you have, the greatest need your children have, the greatest need your future generations will have is that they would know the salvation of God. It is the greatest need. And while Satan fights us for attention and for what we would believe elsewhere would be important, 
there has been one thing that has remained true, that every man, woman, boy, girl, child, everyone of every culture, of every nation, of every kindred needs the salvation of God brought to them. It is our greatest need. It is our highest order. And God provided it in Jesus. Jesus, this world's only Savior. Jesus, what a wonderful name. I had a lot of preaching that I wanted to do on that. Comes from, if, if you were to say his name in Hebrew, you would get Joshua. Man, if you want to do some fun, go and look at what Joshua did for the people of Israel. What a type of Jesus Christ he is in the Old Testament. Leading God's children into the promised land and winning victory. Hey, Jesus wins victories. I'd love to preach that this morning. It'd be pretty fun, wouldn't it? But you go and study it yourself and think about Jesus when you're looking at what Jesus or what Joshua did in the Old Testament. That'd be a lot of fun for you as well. Jesus Christ executed God's plan. We see that the realization of everything in the Old Testament is found in this man, Jesus Christ. These words in the New Testament are so full of depth and so full of richness because in this man, Jesus Christ, every step that he took, every word that he said, every breath that he breathed was inspired by God and was executing to the fullness degree every single bit of the Old Testament that we have right there. He made sure that every part was fulfilled, that nothing was left behind. And God's perfect plan that he had been talking about throughout the centuries was being realized in this man, Jesus. He is God's perfection being realized. He is God's plan being executed and the Holy Spirit declares it to the world. Not only is he Jesus, but he is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He has been anointed by God to fulfill this role. He has, these are the things that the anointing lay hold on someone. The wisdom to rule. The determined by God and with the spiritual strength to make that happen. As we go through and if we were to study out anointing, we would see that this is God's physical displaying of a heavenly truth that is on a person. And I want to tell you, God held within him all of the anointing power on Jesus Christ. Uh, it was his beloved son in whom he was well pleased. Uh, and it was the physical display of the heavenly truth uh, that God was revealing in his son, Jesus Christ. I got to keep going because there's two other names. David. David. He was also the king that's promised. We have to us here the gospel of the king of the Jews. Jesus Christ is presented to the Jewish people as their king. Therefore, he is the son of David. David that we see here, I'm not going to say a whole lot because I wanted to focus on other things, but if there's anything that we know about David and we see about him as a young man is that we see that he should not have been in line for the king. He was not the oldest son, and we see a pattern that God uses over and over where he chooses the younger rather than the older, where he chooses those that seem to be smaller or insignificant. And God is showing and proving to us a very important matter in that, that God is very concerned about the heart of a man or a woman. If there's anything that we know about David, he is the king that's called a man after God's own heart. God speaks at length about, and we see from the word of God at length, about just go and read the Psalms and you'll see how David desired to have a heart for God, how he desired to long God. And even through his failures, God could see his heart. And it was that heart that brought him close to him. I'm going to keep moving because remember, I'm going to go back through them again, okay? Because I want to go the other way. Abraham, he is the one that promises deliverance. That through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. These things brought together for us an understanding about Jesus Christ, the generations of who he was from and what he would do. 
This gospel that we read in Matthew specifically speaks about the fact that not only would he be a king, but he would be a king that would set his people free, a king that would bring about liberty, that would fulfill the Abraham covenant that God made with him. This promise that God made with Abraham is the most basic part of the religious organization that the children of Israel have. When God set up His covenant with Abraham, He gave him some religious rites that he was to follow. You can go back and study those as you want, and you'll see that God taught, uh, spoke with Abraham. And while Abraham did not receive the Ten Commandments, we know that that is later, we do know that there is some religious practices that God set up with Abraham. Those are important. It seems like lately, for whatever the reason may be, that it seems we have been pointed in that direction to do some preaching on the religious practices that we follow. And I understand, and I'm right there with you, we say it all the time, I don't have a religion, I have a relationship, but I do believe with all of my heart there are things that we should follow religiously when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ. They have depth and they have meaning. This morning, we are going to have the Lord's Supper. This communion has been instituted by Jesus Christ Himself that we should observe it religiously. And it is full of depth and it is full of meaning. And if we miss the depth and meaning, it's because our hearts have grown cold. Not because this is worthless. This is not worthless. Amen. This do as often as we eat and drink in remembrance of Him. We remember His body that was broken for us. We remember the blood that was shed. And I want to be faithful to religiously remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for him. It sets up some religion. Okay, I told you I want to go back through. We went through the names, now we're going to go back through. I want to go back through because I think it also will help us a little bit. If we go back through the names the other way, we see that Abraham is the one that brings us promise. He brings us promise, but the promise is really vague. Abraham, your seed will be like the stars in the sky. And through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. What a promise, amen? But also pretty vague. See, you say amen this morning because you know already, right? You already know of how the promises is going to be fulfilled. You're going to remember that, that Abraham had a hard time even having children, but then God blessed him, and he had a, a son that was unique. You're going to remember that through Isaac, all of these other promises would start to come true, and you're looking all the way down. But Abraham didn't know any of that stuff. And to him, the promise seemed vague, and it seemed outlandish, and I bet for sometimes it made that religious stuff he was doing seem distant and cold. And I find that to be true in our worship as well. Listen, do the promises of God seem distant to you? Do they seem vague? Do they seem like they'll never take place? Oh, you know, that's how Abraham felt. As a matter of fact, Abraham, we know the story, don't we? Abraham felt so much that way that he took matters into his own hands, did he not? Much to the dismay of the world, even to this day. Even to this day. And Abraham, in an attempt to see God's plan, deviated from what God would have and from what God would do. And the religion that he was following, it started to feel cold and empty and he wanted to fulfill it himself. And I do believe that is so close to where so many people are today. 
Oh, they've heard it their whole life that Jesus Christ is coming back, but that doesn't even seem possible to them. And because of that, that promise that seems vague and outlandish, we seem to think that the rest of the book is that way. And our religion becomes cold, and we go and we go through the motions, but it doesn't really satisfy. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people just quit altogether, don't they? There's a lot of people with a loyal streak and they stick with it. There's a lot of people that feel some sort of family obligation. There's a lot of different reasons. Some people just quit. But there's a lot that the religion has grown cold. Can I say that you need to move from Abraham and you need to move into a little bit of David? Because David loved the Lord with all his heart. He knew. I'm going to tell you, I love looking at David. I didn't name my first son David on accident, okay? I think he'll be my favorite Bible character to the day I die. Because he loved him with all his heart. And when you read the Psalms, you see his heart. You see how much he desires to know God. You see how he has a, a, a love and there is no way. These are the hardest things to preach because you can't, right? You can't write. You got to have somebody that wants to know God. And our religion has to move to that next step to where it's not that we're just looking for the form so that we could complete the task or get an entrance, but our religion has to move that inside of the religion we see the love of God, we see the depth of God, and then we desire the heart of Jesus Christ even more. And he becomes more real. And what was so vague at the beginning starts to become more and more real. I believe I was really torn, and, and I even said this a couple times. There was a part of me that the next series that I wanted to jump into was going to be in the book of Psalms, and I wanted to preach on David knew the good shepherd. When you read the Psalms of David, the ones that speak about the Messiah, man, you're like, man, David really knew who Jesus was, is. David had an insight into, and he didn't have, he didn't have all of the prophecy. He didn't have everything written. He wasn't looking at, but David had an insight into who Jesus is. He had an unusual, because he desired him with his whole heart. Oh, that we would do the same. That we would get alone, meditate on the scriptures, and think about who he is. Say, oh Lord, could we find you with our whole heart? And then when we search, we will find. Jesus Christ is not a mystery to us anymore. He's revealed everything that we need to know in this book. And then on top of that, he promised us that He would not leave us comfortless. But He would send the Holy Spirit. Those of us now. And what does the Holy Spirit do? What's His job? Oh, Jesus told us. He's like, He's going to talk about me. He's going to talk about Jesus Christ. He's going to tell you who I am, what I'm like. He's going to tell you what, what moves me, what I care about. Boy, more than anything this morning, I got one prayer that if you don't know Jesus Christ, that you'd fall in love with Him this morning. He has provided for your greatest need. We are sinners on our way to hell. We were, as Jonathan Edwards says, we were standing in slippery places. And God's arrows of wrath were drawn against us. But Jesus Christ Amen. took our blame, Amen. set our feet on a solid rock. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. 
That's what's going to separate. You understand that this morning, I know. That sin that gnaws at you, that eats you, that you know, even though the rest of this world is trying to do an amazing job of helping you appease it, make you feel okay about it, down deep in your heart, that sin still bothers you. And you know you got to account for it some way. Somebody's got to pay. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ paid the price for you. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he'll be the best friend you ever had. He'll love you to the end, and he'll never let you go. Wow. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, help us. The simple message of salvation is still the greatest story ever told. We can't perfect it. We can't make it any better. The Holy Spirit has promised to draw those who need to be drawn. There is nothing I would rather do this morning before we go into communion than to see somebody walk the aisle and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let them enter into communion with us this morning with Jesus Christ. Use the invitation this morning. You know what's best. You're far wiser than we are. We love you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we stand. And as they sing, if you need to come this morning, altar's open. When I see the sunrise in the morning, when I
for you and me. The sunrise in the morning 